0: Today on the show, we're talking about money mistakes made throughout life. Welcome to Simple Money Solutions Podcast, your path to financial independence through deliberate lifestyle choices. My name's Courtney. I'm joined with Trevor, and thank you so much for being with us here today. We really appreciate every one of you listening to us and tuning in every single week. So before we get into today's show, we're going to talk a little bit about some listener feedback
1: we've got. Yeah, listener feedback is, is really important to any podcast or any creative endeavor. It, it, I like to think of this podcast as a, a dynamic format in that the listener feedback is going to drive the future content. So by the listeners reaching out to us, we're going to take that feedback and, and channel that into the direction the show is going to go.
0: Definitely, because I mean, Trevor and I could sit here all day and talk about things that are important to us, but I mean... That might not be adding value to your life. And that's essentially why we are here to help enrich your life as a listener.
1: Well, I could talk about personal finance all day long. In fact, one of the reasons I started this podcast is my wife got tired of listening to me talk <laughs> about personal finance. So, I, I mean, but I'd love to talk about topics that listeners really want to engage in.
0: Definitely. So we we had a episode on tiny homes and we got a really great feedback from Jessica one of our listeners she actually has an instagram account where she hopes to start posting about her tiny home adventures it's at gypsy chick we'll have that in the show notes so you can go check out her instagram and we really appreciate her comment and she left with us her adventures in a tiny home and how she went from living this larger life to one that was a lot smaller and she really resonated with our tiny home episode and we really appreciate her feedback and her personal story because it it, it allowed us to see that um, it, it, individuals were really driving value from that specific episode. So we knew that it had at least hit one person close to home. And another comment from Mark, Mark shared with him his financial strategy and I will, I'll read it to you. So he said, quote, I find a good strategy is to make financial choices that give, some, give you some extra income. I find this allows me to continue to enjoy my life and allow some lifestyle inflation, but also make sure that as you spend more, it is coming from your extra investments and not from your extra salary income. You can do as much as the next person just a little bit later than every, anyone, everyone else.
1: I, I love that side hustle mentality, that, that, that thinking outside the box, that... that. I think is really valuable.
0: Definitely. So again, we please keep these comments coming. We, If, you, if you'd like to leave us anything, you can always send us an email at livelifesimple365 at gmail.com. You can send us something with uh, by our contact submission form. It's just on our website at livelifesimple.ca and it's just under contact us and just send us whatever you'd like to send us, links, articles, comments, questions, and Mark actually sent us an email following up with things that he'd like us to do episodes on which we've already d- actually done one on so send everything and anything our way and we, we just we just love to hear from you and and how you're driving value from our podcast
1: you know one thing that keeps us moving forward is the the download uh, statistics of this show and it's been growing exponentially every week the the audience has been growing at an alarming like not an alarming rate, a rate faster than I ever anticipated. So, and then certain episodes are getting more activity than others, and that's really the only fe- the main source of feedback we're using for driving future show show ideas.
0: But all that said, we really appreciate having you with us every week. So, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, and being with us, and, and and being a part of the conversation that we that Trevor and I have here on the podcast every week. So all that being said, before we delve again into today's ep- today's episode on the big, biggest money mistakes you make throughout your life, we do want to say that we are very excited to bring you our June challenge. We are two weeks away from completing uh, Minimalism May. If you haven't gotten involved in that and you're saying to yourself, oh, it's a little bit too late into the month because it's this month-based challenge, I will be posting a blank calendar template that you can download at any time and make any month of the year your own minimalism month. And you can always get your friends and family involved. So that's a fun challenge that really is a productive challenge as well. So all that said, Trevor, let's get into today's episode. So we, this article, this whole uh, episode is based off an article by Charlie Wells and it is called The Biggest Money Mistakes We Make Decade by Decade. And I found this concept really fascinating because it, I I know it's a little maybe obvious, but you you wouldn't initially assume that each generation or decade by decade, you'd make spe- specific mistakes that are kind of generalized across everyone.
1: You know, when I think back to, in my life, they are very, uh, you know, the mistakes I made or the the mistakes I avoided, but I seen other people make, were pretty unique to that. You could really dial them into decades of your life. You know, your twenties, your thirties, your forties, your fifties. So I, I think it this is gonna ring true for a lot of people.
0: Oh, definitely. But I, I'm more talking about the the whole everyone within that age category will make quote unquote the same mistake.
1: Yeah, similar ones. I I, I and I I've seen it. It's, you know as I was growing up, I look back and, and seen these mistakes happening. And now I look at younger people making similar mistakes. So it it, it seems pretty constant.
0: And I, I think a good way to lead into this episode is to say that, I mean, our listener may be asking right now, but if, if every, if everyone makes it and, and why don't you turn around and tell the previous, the ne- the generation that's younger than you, Hey, don't make the same mistake. And this article states that, It's kind of hard to do that just due to economic and demographic changes that are taking place that really change the market um, so drastically from generation to generation in that the things that worked for your parents are not going to work for you. And on this podcast, we have explored that time and time again with our different topics.
1: Well, I think that's true. But one of the things I recall is looking back and my parents giving me advice, financial advice, and me thinking, you know uh, you, you guys don't understand it you're too far removed from your 20s to understand what it's like to be in your 20s that's what I thought in my 20s now that I'm older I look back at people in their 20s and uh, I, I do understand what they're going through and, and that advice sh- I should have taken that advice to heart
0: that's that's really interesting to hear because I'm sure a lot of our listeners regardless of their age can relate to that statement and that they're not sure if their parent really gets where they are, especially teenagers who maybe their parent, they forget that their parents were once teenagers and that they don't really understand it all. But so, so with that mentality is the advice that you give to your own children who, who are in their twenties, is it, is it a lot more, is it more realistic or is it more thought out or, or what kind of advice do you give them with that mentality?
1: Well, I think the important thing is if you're giving advice to somebody in their 20s and say you're in your 50s, I think it's important that you, you first demonstrate that you understand the circumstances they're facing by maybe through your own personal example or just you know, explaining that you fully understand where they are and the struggles they're facing. And if, if, you can, if you can get their buy-in by demonstrating that, then your advice will go much further.
0: Definitely because, I mean, we joked around with the, uh, with the previous episode we recorded, um, how like you young ruffer snappers who don't really understand the, the kind of, they see, people seem too far removed. And so I like that, that mentality where if you relate, if you get on their, on younger, the younger generation level, they'll understand and really appreciate what you have to say more. I love that. So. Let's uh. The, so the the article had has break has broke down the different age categories, twenties, thirties, forties, fifties, and sixties. So there's there's a lot to go through. And Trevor, you you'll be able to draw a lot on a lot of this, and then maybe even reflect forward as you are approaching the age decades that you haven't gone through yet. But the twenties, and because I'm in my twenties, I really find this um this decade very like very compelling. So the twenties is about playing it safe
1: yeah i I was guilty of this for sure i i mean the, the thought of investing the little bit of money I had into something risky just didn't make sense but i I was in an era so here I am gonna say it was different for me. I was in an area where interest rates were very high, and uh you could get a good return you know i I think I remember buying Canada savings bonds at a ten per cent interest rate which which was really good. But looking back at the uh, stock market indexes, they were doing even better. So I, I even though 10% sounds like a great return on your money and a very safe great return, there was even better opportunities to be had. And the other thing to take into consideration is inflation was extremely high at that point. So you're, you really needed to get a great return to just to overcome inflation. So I I... I so I mentioned Canada Savings Bonds. I, I I put a lot of money into those, which, I mean, they're no different than than today. I mean, they're they're just extremely safe, but extremely low return, compar comparable to other options. So I I, I was guilty of that for sure.
0: And I like that this was something that you struggled with too, because looking at this myself, I would I would have to agree that as i mean i i'm still i i'm enrolled in school again so i'm i'm still considered a student so i'm i'm not quite um out in the world per se but i would have to say that i i would definitely play it safe too and i think that's expected of anyone in their 20s i mean they with not much experience in that market
1: but it's it's bad advice to play it safe in your 20s you oh you have, yeah yeah i the agree thing you have on your side is time to recover but you know if you have a small amount of money invested say you have. Five or ten thousand dollars invested in, the market goes into a big downturn, and you lose, you know, five thousand dollars out of ten. That you know that that's half your investment gone. It's it, it seems disastrous, but you have a long time to recover. You just have to be patient and, and and play the game.
0: But what this article really highlights, and what we have highlighted in the past, is that millennials have low financial literacy rate. That that's what this article is saying, and that's what we have said, and that. As a millennial myself, I, I feel like our my generation is just not equipped well enough. And maybe you felt the same way when you were my age, but with the knowledge to make decisions, smart decisions. Because when you don't have the knowledge, you don't feel confident enough to make decisions so you play it safe.
1: Well, the one thing that's changed now in this era for 20-year-olds to, to when I was 20 is the age of the Internet and the age of information. So there, there was only so much information available and so many investment options available. Well, now there's, it's far more complex because there's more options, there's more information, and you don't know what information is good, what information is bad. You can read conflicting news reports daily about you know where's it, what's a good thing to do with your money, what's a bad thing to do with your money. So one thing that's changed is the amount of information or the amount of options out there with this a world global economy that we have in front of us, that really didn't exist when I was in my 20s.
0: Definitely. So I, I think if our 20-year-old's other can take anything away from this this decade is that definitely get more out there, take more risks because you, you have the time to recover. I mean, if you're making these risks taking these risks and making mistakes a little bit later on in life that's going to hinder your ability to retire and 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 stuff like that whereas at 20 probably no dependents a little bit more free you have you have wiggle room in there
1: I I think one of the biggest mistakes I made in my 20s and this was playing it safe is I stayed in my first job too long and I I, I'm certain it it hurt my earning potential you know I, I I had a I should I could have earned more money had I been more adventurous or, or more of a risk taker in, in pursuing different job opportunities. But I stayed in that job too long. It got comfortable and it felt safe. And we went, you know, there was a few recessions along the way and I seemed to weather those. And I thought, well, you know, that I, I had friends that were out of work because of a recession and, and I still had a job. So I, I kept playing it safe. And I, I think you need to look and, and just look for signs. Am I, am I growing? both uh in soft skills and hard skills in the job I currently have, and when you when you no longer are growing in those skill sets, it's time to move on to another opportunity so and I didn't do that i I probably stayed in that first job five years too long
0: i I like the way that you said that though, and that it's you're moving out of something that's safe and comfortable because there's no more space to grow, and growing is so important. And I think all our listeners out there can agree that growing and feeling, um, intrinsically fulfilled is so important that, that if you don't worry about getting another job, because if, if you feel like you've, you've kind of learned and gathered all you can from that position, that a more challenging one will, uh, will definitely invite you in because you're ready to take it on.
1: And that that's exactly the, the, the point I'm trying to make. And it, if you become comfortable, like growth, growth comes from a point of discomfort. So when you're constantly challenged and in uncomfortable in your job you know you're growing the minute you find a comfort zone that is the t- that is the signal to move on it, it's that's when you need to to make your move
0: definitely and as a millennial as we're talking about this I I, I agree but I at the same time you can agree but still find the idea of investing something you're, you're not quite sure how it works a little bit intimidating, so I agree wholeheartedly with not playing it too safe. But at the same time, I am sure that takes practice and that takes um, a little bit. It's going to feel uncomfortable, so I, I can agree with that.
1: And just back to the job thing, like so, so you you have to uh, you can't switch jobs uh, too frequently. It looks bad on a resume, but if you stay in a job too long, you look complacent, and, and it actually hurts your resume particularly if you're young. So I, I just think that that was my, one of my biggest regrets. Um,
0: while we're talking about switching jobs, there's a point within the, the section of in your 20s of feeling impatient and that, uh, quote, impatient people change jobs about seven more, 7% more than patient people after completing their education, end quote. So I think the idea of impatience goes along with the idea of complacency.
1: Yeah, I, w- I would agree with that. The impatience is uh, I, I, I think if you f- you shouldn't be focusing on earnings too much in your twenties, at least your early twenties, you should be focused on building a resume and building skills, job skills that that will carry you into your future decades. If you just focus on the money, y- you you may end up in, in a bad place or or not, not as a, in not as a good place in in future decades.
0: So when you talked about earlier about your job and you should have left it five years earlier because you could have made more at another job, was that just because you had essentially grown all you could and you, your skill set was ready for an increased amount of income?
1: Well, I, the, the, the problem is I didn't build my skill set because I stayed in a job where I was complacent. The money was okay, but the skills were not developing. And so when I finally did switch to a new job, I had a lot of catch-up in front of me. For somebody my age and in that career path, i didn't have the skill set I should have
0: okay, so that kind of just hindered your ability to more comfortably transition to another job i'm sure you were spinning your wheels in a little bit um, out of the, out of out of your comfort zone there for a while
1: yes and I don't want to knock education, but education only takes you so far you know the things you learn on the job are are quite different than what you learn in the textbook, and a lot of it is the the communication skills, the, those soft skills that are going to help you get your point across to people or convince people to cooperate with you, those are the skills that you need to develop. And once you get to know the people you work with at a, at a very personal level, you, you, you're no longer using those skills to, to convince people or, or motivate people be, because you're so familiar with them, you actually know what buttons to push t- to make people cooperate. But if you get into a new environment, you all, all of a sudden have to improve your ability to read people, how to understand new people, and what to say, what to motivate them, what to what to say to get them to cooperate. And those are the soft skills that won't get developed if you stay surrounded by the same group of people. That's
0: a great point and a very small point that is often overlooked because reading people in, in the workplace is not really part of, of a job, like a job description when you read it. Um, when you're applying to a job that's more of the inside part of the job that you don't the culture of an organization
1: yeah and the the learning the culture of an organization over time is easy learning it really quickly in a, in a small window where you switch jobs more frequently you you see patterns and you see what works and what doesn't work and you actually learn more from you know your failures and your successes right like it's it's going into a new organization and trying what what you used in your in the last company you worked for and it didn't doesn't work here then you know this isn't a, a foolproof strategy I need to come up with a new tool
0: definitely and I I really like that we highlighted this in um in within this the 20s decade because it's something that's important because it allows you to succeed and 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 see success within your working life and that's so important
1: you know, and to to that point, you need to design your life so you have small wins, especially in your twenties. By the time you're fifty, you've you've if you've had enough successes, you can you can stay the course or get motivated to make change, because you've seen the impact it's had over your life. But in your twenties, you've seen you have not experienced many wins or many changes that have brought wins or or positive outcomes. So you need to create small wins, things, sort of benchmarks that are that you've achieved, and and you call that a win. An example is I have a daughter who's in a, a college program that you go to you go to college for two years, you get a diploma, you go for another two years, you end up with a degree. There, so there's a small win, there's a diploma along the way. It feels like an accomplishment, and then two more years you get a degree. So I, I think in your twenties you need to. To view things in in smaller increments of wins,
0: I think if you don't experience those wins, the, your experience when you're 20 will really just carry you. I think in your working career throughout your life, at least that's what I'm kind of experiencing as a 20 year old. In that, creating these positive relationships with coworkers really fosters this idea that you can coworkers are are positive to work with, and it, it makes it makes the whole experience very pleasant. And then you carry that taste with you moving
1: forward. No, absolutely.
0: So before we get way too sidetracked in our 20s, let's move on to our 30s. And Charlie Wells has labeled the 30s as overwhelmed by complexity.
1: This could be a make or break decade for, for a lot of people. You know, you, you do a lot of things. For you, I, got, I mean, I got married in my late 20s. I had children and I, I'll say I raised my kids in my 30s primarily. Bought a house. There's a lot going on there. There's a lot of risk. There's a lot of change and a lot of juggling, a lot of balancing going on.
0: One one point I really like within this section, 30s, that Charlie Wells has highlighted is that, quote, many people in this space of life want the same standard of living they remember their parents enjoying when they left home, end quote. And this point is one that really resonates with me a lot because – I will look at my parents and I'll see how they're living now. And I'll put that pressure onto myself and measure myself up to how they're doing. But it's taken them to tell me that, Courtney, we are so much older than you. We're near the end of our working career. You were just starting. You were doing absolutely fine where you are. And you can't compare your financial situation to ours because, honestly, we were in the exact same shoes you were in. So I think myself and I'm sure a lot of our listeners who are close to my age maybe don't fully understand or aren't aware that their parents were not always where they are financially. If, if you're a listener and you admire where your parents are financially.
1: That's a a fabulous point. And I think I, so I remember my grandparents telling my parents of their struggles in life when they started out. And then I remember my parents telling me and my wife's parents telling us the same thing. And I know my parents went through great lengths to tell me of their, their struggles at the beginning of their their life. They would actually drive by the places they used to live. And I remember saying to myself, well, this is like, you know, 25 years later, of course it's a dump, you know? It, I imagine it looked nicer 25 years ago, but they assured me it didn't, you know? And they had these struggles at the beginning. And it's so hard to picture and so i've seen and now i've done that with my kids so there's three generations of people describing their their but you know you hear this story all the time you know i used to walk up school uphill both ways to school and uh, you know chest high in snow and people I, I think they they gloss up their hard times maybe too much that, that they, be, they become maybe unbelievable do you think that's the case
0: yeah i would I don't, I don't think, I guess like stories like that. Yes, definitely glossed up for dramatizing. But my parents only told me about, I mean, I'm, I'm just in my twenties. My parents only told me about their, their experiences when they were 20, probably only a year and a half ago, like it's been very recently. And until then I kind of had always put this too, too big of financial pressure on myself and just hearing the stories of exactly what it was like for both of them at my age it was just this, this moment of, of clarity and, and moment of, wow. Because I really look up to my parents I admire everything that they do financially. So to be able to see exactly what they were like then and be like, okay, you're not doing as bad as you think you are. That was a moment that I think all children need from their parents.
1: It's sort of a time in the life that, that you don't, maybe you don't, look, you don't look back at it. You either look back at it as a fond time or as a time you want to forget, you know, we, when you when you reflect back. So I, I look back at when I was younger as a carefree time, but I struggled financially. You know, I didn't have a a, a, a nest egg built. I didn't have a lot of wealth created.
0: But I think but, that's what makes you human. And I think, I mean, I, I totally respect anyone who has went through immense very immense hardships at a younger age but and as painful as that might be to remember and reflect upon I think it is so valuable regardless of why you're in that position maybe you're way too carefree or you didn't you didn't spend it all you were too much of a saver I think every single experience you had as a as a young as a young person similar to my age is so important to share with your kids and I'm only speaking about this with such passion because it it has been something that has really kind of impacted and shaped how I view finances and how I kind of look up to my parents because I, I can relate more and I understand, and they know what I'm going through and I can kind of relate my, what I'm going through right now. It, 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 and maybe I feel like I'm better off or a little bit worse off than they were, but it's still so comforting.
1: A lot of, I think a lot of younger people don't take that to heart. You know, they don't believe it maybe, or they don't want to believe it, but anybody who's you know, struggled in the early years and made made a life, you know, somewhat successfully financial. Financially, I, I I think they all came from struggles of some kind. You know, and it's all relative. The struggle is relative to where you were.
0: Definitely. So, if we have any listeners out there who are a parent who have kids. This is our message to hopefully share your journey when it's appropriate with your own child, maybe when they're leaving for post-secondary or they're, they're moving out on their own or whenever it's appropriate. But I definitely, I, we, we urge you to do that with your own children because it's been so incredibly valuable just to, just to give, just give your kids the, the, the satisfaction of knowing that you're human and, and that you have struggled like they're struggling.
1: And I, I agree with that. It's it you know share the knowledge, share share your historical journey. But to go back to the 30s and the complexity the complexity aspect of of that decade, I I can't. I, I've told the story before, but I recall being uh, I started a new job, moved to a new house in a new town. I had th- twins under the age of three and a newborn, and I was studying for my CPA exams all, all at the same time. Very complex time and. very stressful time in my life, I would, if I had to redo that, I, I would have not done all those things at once. I would have, you know, I would have strived for some, some more simplicity, but I was trying to reach too far for financial success in doing all those things at the same time.
0: Definitely. And like we talked about in the last episode about having children now, when we're having children later in life and starting a career early in life, uh, priority is getting shifted. So maybe it can't happen in more sequential order, and that you take one on and then the other. I mean, you seem to have have everything happen at once, but I think for some of our listeners, that it doesn't have to.
1: Well, you know, and any listeners that are delaying starting a family or you know delaying their education for life experiences, you're only pushing all these inevi- inevitable events into a, a future period to happen all at once
0: yeah definitely but i think wherever they're at i mean getting your career underway i mean you were in getting your uh, accounting designation at the same time so i mean if maybe you got that away out of the way first and then started a family it, it might be it, just the sequential order of it you might have been able to tackle one and then the other Tr-
1: true I, I i wish i would have pursued the accounting designation earlier but the the people waiting to you know to start families and get married later in life till they are quote, financially set that's i think them striving to achieve the success their parents have after you know 30 or 40 years of struggle
0: true and this goes right back to our debate from last week's episode where it it was are you if you if you do go in with the mindset and the mentality that you will wait to have children until you're financially well off well all throughout your th- 20s and maybe into your early 30s you might not be as financially well off as quote-unquote you want to be but and you might be again like you're saying, looking at your parents or other people who who are older than you looking at their financial situation
1: and we've said before in this podcast following the generation before you is a disaster waiting to happen
0: and like we're seeing with this this episode alone every generate every decade um who is essentially different uh, maybe a different generation is experiencing so many different complexities than the gen than the generation or the decade before. So it's ridiculous to try to even look 10 years forward, 10 years back because everyone is going through uh, something unique.
1: Well, if I think of my grandfather's generation, they were not uh, pursuing higher education. That that wasn't, that was the exception, not the rule in his generation. So if the, the next generation You know, went searching for that uh, well, you know, high-paying factory job. They they would be, you know, very disappointed.
0: Definitely, and even in looking even from an education standpoint, because of education and because individuals are achieving their undergrad and their and their masters and then maybe their doctorate, that is really pushing off the start of adulthood very late. I mean, if if you're still, I don't know, when you're considered a student, I'm not sure about our listeners out there, but. I think a student mentality is a lot different than a working professional mentality. So when you're being a student for seven plus years, your adult life hasn't really started until that point. At least that's how I feel um, pursuing now a second education. So I think that is really coming into play as well and is making a bigger impact than we might think.
1: And that doesn't mean it's wrong. I mean, it's just, I you know, again, it's dangerous to follow the generation before you. So maybe you do need that additional education to succeed in the world that you're going to be living in.
0: Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong at all. And I think it's almost natural because uh, we are living longer. So I think we're just pushing with we're just stacking on education and really just pushing our timeline down a bit, which is why if you if you want to be married, have kids, have a home all by age 30, just like pretend your parents did. I think I think that might be a little unrealistic because times are changing so much.
1: Well, and with modern medicine, people are living longer. I mean, it's getting safer and safer to have, to have a childbirth in your 40s. I mean, that's becoming more and more common. You go back 30 years ago and childbirth, a child being born from a mother in her 40s was, you know, the survival rate was very low.
0: Exactly. So there's a lot of, again, so many factors coming into play. I do want to highlight before we move on to the 40s how trying to live like your parents, going back to that point, is dangerous because, like Charlie Wells says in this article, it can lead to credit card use and and spending instead of saving, and not really because it points out how when you're saving and you're compounding interest and you're you're really building up that that nest egg of wealth, and 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 he also goes on to say that we see these images of what post grad life looks like, and that is that's dangerous as well, just from uh, entertainment and and other things along that line.
1: No, that is, that is that is good advice too. You know, one of the things my parents did, and they went through great efforts to, to um, demonstrate that they had struggles early in life. That they even kept old furniture around. You know, really I love low that. end, low end, crappy furniture. And that I must admit, that did help open my eyes to their struggles. They must have had when when I see this this really hideous. I mean, it 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 was just, uh, you know very rough rudimentary furniture compared to what they they live with so uh, keeping artifacts i'll call it around that you know uh, what you you used you know that 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 may help sell the the point that, that your parents did struggle
0: or even when your parents today make decisions financially smart decisions and really think and deliberate through through purchases before making them, and just small day to day things like that, it really puts things into perspective for you. Thinking that your grown parents, who are financially well off, are still considering a purchase, or or still uh, weighing their options, or maybe making do without until uh, a later date, and that is all really refreshing too, because it, it kind of puts things into perspective for you.
1: Yeah, that's true. A lot of parents have those uh, those conversations in private, away from the kids. Trying to, try to maybe shelter them from you know the harsh realities of of life but to do those out in the open in front of your kids is probably a good idea
0: yeah especially when your children are maybe moved out and they come back home for a weekend and so I mean I I know like some some children may feel feel guilty that they're a part of their parents maybe uh, hardship financially but when they're older and not really part of the conversation as much and they come back and they get to experience kind of this conversation and be re-immersed um into into their living with their parents and just get a little taste uh and a little bit of refreshing refreshment after being away for so long it kind of brings you back to your roots so Trevor let's move on to 40s and Charlie Wells has labeled 40s as misjudging big expenses and he brings in you were mentioning house and children in your 30s but he brings in um house and children in your 40s
1: and this is just an example of how generations are shifting you know my I had my children in my late twenties, and, and bought a house in my early thirties, and now there's he's suggesting this is happening more in the forties. So it's this is a prime example of how how things are evolving that the generations are are shifting.
0: Definitely, and I want to ask you a question about one of Charlie Wells's point, and he said that in in this article he's saying that many people spend too much on their homes and that they don't quote aggressively enough to pay off their mortgages. End quote, which really impacts their ability to retire on time. So I know we've talked about uh, your house purchasing in the past episodes, but I want to go through that again, just touch on it. How did you make sure you could buy a home that you could afford plus retire on time? Because for any of our new listeners who are just tuning in, Trevor is financially free. He's not tied down with any financial burden at the moment because he has really juggled everything to make sure that he can be financially independent by age 65. So Trevor, what's your advice for our listeners who are maybe my age or, or a little bit older looking to purchase their first home? And ha- what advice are you going to give them to make sure that they do not purchase a home that they can't pay off by the time they retire?
1: Well, I just want to just correct one point. You said 65. My uh, It's actually going to be 55.
0: 55. Yes. Even yeah. younger. Oh, well, 65. Yes. It's so Sorry. Yeah. yeah. 65 is your yeah. regular retirement age yeah. and Trevor's doing it in 10 years 50. less.
1: Yeah. So, my, my personal formula is the two things that will destroy you financially are houses and cars. And for me, my house, whatever house I chose to buy, I, I had to be able to pay it off in 15 years. That was my target. And amortizing- where, where,
0: where did you get that number? Why, why 15?
1: Well, because I, I needed to have that house paid for in, in order to have the money to cash flow my kids' education and save additional money for retirement. So I couldn't be, be paying off a mortgage. Like, there's only so much money to go around. So I, I had to be able to pay that house off in, in 15 years. That And then I stayed away from brand new cars. You know, I only, I only bought used cars, stayed in the used car market, and let somebody else pay the depreciation. So those are the two things that, but with houses, 15 years is, I mean, I mean, if you buy a house when you're 30, 15 years later, you're 45, that that's going to give me 10 years to cash for my kids' education and save for retirement. So, I mean, that's kind of the how I did the math. I worked from 55 back. So
0: what I'm getting from all of this is that it took a lot of, I guess, I, I, when you're first buying a home and and y- you really can make a lot of decisions about how much you spend on it. So that, that sounds to me like you exerted a lot of self-discipline and really because are are you a house person like are you get the car people are you a house person or is a home for you just that a home
1: well a home so a home is where you 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 live and you feel comfortable a house is I'll call it a showpiece something you and and I'm not condemning people that that do home renovations but I I focus more on home repairs I don't I don't have granite countertops and in fancy bathrooms and kitchens I have a great appreciation for those things I just have chosen to retire early rather than and I'm not saying you can't do both, but I mean those are the trade offs I've made.
0: So so you made prior you've you've kind of created priorities for yourself and cash flowing your kids through school was one of them and retiring early was one of them. So yeah, like you said, there's nothing wrong with anyone who um is okay maybe retiring retiring a little bit later or or if a home, a super nice home um, that, that with a more expensive price tag is something that's a priority to you. That's not a bad thing at all. I just, it sounds like for you, it just wasn't a priority.
1: Well, you know, one thing I'm envious of is people who, who never want to retire. They love their work so much that they're going to work, you know, un- until they take their last breath. And, you know, if you have that kind of job and that kind of love for your work and you can get paid for it, then go and and spend that money on, on fancy luxuries.
0: Definitely. So it it really is very individualistic. It sounds like
1: one of the things I see a lot of people do, uh, friends of mine, is when they become empty nesters, I meaning their kids have moved out, they finally have the money to go out and buy the house of their dreams. When they they need it the least, so they'll go out and buy this really large luxury home when it's just you know husband and wife living in it, no kids. They may come home to visit for the holidays, but Generally speaking, there's just two people living in it. I see that a lot. And uh, my parents actually did that. The, the, I was their youngest child. And when I moved out, they actually bought a larger house than they raised their family in, which kind of seemed backwards to me.
0: Definitely. And you're actually skipping ahead to our 50s. So I'm going to hold you off there. And we're going to finish up our 40s and get back to that. because I absolutely love that point. And it, I, I feel like it occurs, occurs a lot a lot more often than one may think. Just to finish up on our 40s, um, one of the points, and I want to ask you about this because you have children, I obviously don't, but there's a point within um, the 40s section that Charlie Wilson said that people in their 40s find themselves spending too much on their children. Is that a thing, spending too much on your children, or would you not just do anything for them?
1: Well, you can get carried away, that's for sure. I know at one point I had uh, two daughters in competitive dance and a son in... um, rep hockey which is a very expensive form of hockey and that was a probably a two or three year window and we stood back and looked at this and said hey i think this is out of control you know these kids are you know they're having fun but i think we could do this at a lower cost base so you can get carried away and i've seen people do it but at the same time you don't want to deny your your child opportunities so it's there's a trade-off and it's a balancing act for sure
0: Charlie Wells says that 10% of income on it should be on children.
1: I don't know if you can just do math on that. It it depends. Every situation is different. If you have some child who's, you know, extremely gifted in some particular sport or, or artistic endeavor, I, I'd hate to have thought that I was denying them opportunity just because the math didn't work. I mean, I'm not going to go and borrow money to put them into some sort of activity. But if I have the disposable income to put my child into a very competitive, high level of competition in a particular sport, and they they go on to succeed at a, at a very high level, I would hate to think I've denied the child that opportunity.
0: Definitely. And like we learned last week, you can't always do math on, on cer- certain things in life, such as children. And b- before we jump onto the 40s, or 50s, sorry... I also want to bring up the idea of the sandwich generation, which is one that I know your wife was actually affected by, and actually you too.
1: Yeah, this is where your kids are still uh, highly dependent on you as parents, and your your parents are, because they've, they're aging and they've lost maybe their faculties or their physical abilities, they're highly dependent on you uh, t- just for day-to-day needs. And so you're splitting your time between your children and your parents, both Time-wise and possibly financially, and so this sandwich generation, these, the, it results in you know burnout and resentment and all sorts of horrible things.
0: And it, in this article, it talks about the impact of financially on even achieving retirement.
1: Yeah, it it can uh, jeopardize that too. Uh, it it kind of you know. So my parents had their children at a very young age, and then I had my my kids at a, I'll say. A little older but in 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 societal terms of my generation fairly early so now my parents are are still quite young and my kids are almost independent so i'm not going to suffer from that but uh, if if my kids you know wait too long to have children then you know that that could be you know i guess you're somewhat in control of becoming a in the sandwich by by the time timing of when you have a family
0: but I think this is something that you can't really plan, or you can't really stop and say, "Oh, I'm going to make sure I'm not a sandwich generation." Because at the end of the day, you're you've got family on both sides. So I really don't think you. This is something that you can really uh, fret about too much.
1: Well, you when you say you can't plan it, you 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 can plan it to a degree. I mean, you can look at the age of your parents and do the math, and if you start a family now, your parents are going to be eighty. You know. I wouldn't let it stop me from having a family, but if if I was debating when to start a family, I may take that consideration.
0: Okay, yeah, no, and I, I obviously have never been in uh, the position of a sandwich. Obviously, I can I can only imagine how difficult it might it must be to to be to be in in the middle of that sandwich generation. So I I, I can totally respect uh, where you're coming from with that. So let's move on to our 50s. And you already brought up the idea of lifestyle creep, is which is what Charlie Wells refers to it as in this article and what we have referred to it as, as as well. And it's he really just says it's where you kick up your heels and up your standards of living right around the time that you should probably be ramping down your lifestyle.
1: If you raised a moderately large family and you... You made a lot of sacrifices along the way. I think it's just human nature to to want to treat yourself when, when you finally reach the age of being an empty nester and you're probably at the highest earning potential of your working career and your disposable income is, is, is bigger than it'll ever be. The natural inclination would be to reward yourself with uh, international vacations and luxurious homes and fancy cars and all the things you wanted but couldn't afford as you were... You know, growing up, and I think this is a slippery slope because what happens is you, if if you haven't if you haven't set yourself up financially to retire at that same level of of disposable income, you're going to have a a long way to fall to get down to a a lifestyle that your retirement income could support. So I'm in my fifties and I'm avoiding this like the plague. I don't want to go anywhere near this because obviously I want to retire early. It's good. The last thing I want to do is, is let that lifestyle expectation get too high.
0: My first question is because of this, do you feel deprived?
1: Well, no, I don't feel deprived. I've, I, I've recently sort of had a, I don't know, a, a, a change and I've kind of adopted a minimalist mentality. I, I've, I've come to realize that all the accumulation of things has not added a great deal of happiness or gratitude to my life. So I, I've sort of, in turning, in reaching my fifties, I've come to realize I've, I enjoy you know live concerts and those type of experiences more than you know fancy cars and fancy houses. So I, I don't feel deprived. I, I think I, I did feel deprived, say in my thirties and forties, but now I don't.
0: But did, I guess you never resented it because you were maybe saving for you were saving for your kids' education. You're saving for your own personal retirement. So I guess there was a little bit of uh, a little bit at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, my next question is, how do you exert that much self discipline on a day to day basis to really ensure that your lifestyle doesn't creep up to what it could be? So what what strategies do you have for our listeners that you implement that are are working for you?
1: well uh, just you know having a goal I my mean, goal of, of retiring at fifty five is has been steady and uh, being goal driven i guess is the key and the other thing is i i often look back to my you know twenties as is the you know a very simplistic time where I didn't have a lot of things I didn't have a lot of moving pieces, and I kind of yearn for that i kinda i kind of want to go back to a simpler time. So definitely not depriving and staying motivated is, is just a change in mindset.
0: I absolutely love your reference to when you were in your twenties, because I mean, it sounds like your, your kids are, I mean, they're still dependent on you, but less so than when they lived with you, I'm sure. But as someone in my twenties, who's on my own, I I do I mean obviously I haven't had a more complicated life to enjoy the simplistic life as much but I really do enjoy the simplicity of and I think this is where my my passion from for last week's episode came from about uh the financial cost of having kids because I do enjoy the simplicity of my life right now and I do understand how Adding kids in a and a family into the mix does add more complexity, so i I definitely underst- i definitely can resonate with with what you're saying when you when you say the twenty your twenties were a more simplistic time
1: I appreciate that you can say you you can imagine, but you actually can't you know you you can think about how complex life is, but once you've been through it, you look back your twenties and I know when I was in my twenties you know money was not you know I didn't have a lot of disposable income and it, you know, I didn't know where I was going in life. You know, that was an unknown. So it didn't seem simple at the time because there was so many unknowns and so many variables in my future that it didn't seem like a simpler time. But now looking back, boy, 20s were as simple as it gets. All you really had to do was worry about yourself.
0: Definitely. And from, from, I can definitely understand how perspective gives you more appreciation. I can definitely appreciate that. And no, I I I do agree with you, and I think I think that's with everything. When you experience something, you can always then reflect upon and even appreciate your past. I think what's a little bit obvious about lifestyle creep, and it, it's a common point with everything, um, even from from the weight of the human body, and that it's easier to accumulate lifestyle creep. It's easier to accumulate weight than it is to kind of get rid of it. Just I, I take the whole mentality with sugar as well. It's easy to like the taste of sugar, so. I believe that introducing your children to sugar maybe at later as opposed to earlier is always beneficial too because we always like the taste and the feel of expensive and and luxurious things that's not easy to acquire a taste for that. So I think it's always it's always better to stay below your means like we always say and below below the absolute top luxurious thing because that's not easy to like.
1: That that's true that that's a good summarization of it. That only works if you don't feel that you're depriving yourself. Yes. You know, if, if, if your mindset is, I'm, I'm going to deprive myself of this stuff so I can afford, you know, so I can create a lifestyle I can afford in retirement, then you're just going to be miserable and unhappy and, and depressed. So you have to get beyond the, the, the mindset of depriving yourself to achieve a goal. You have to believe, you know, it, it's a better place that you're, you're going to.
0: I 100% agree with that. And again, it all goes back to your goal because if if you do up your standards of living, you're not going to be able to retire this, this, as soon or maybe as soon as you would be able to if you didn't amp up your lifestyle. So it really definitely depends on your individualistic goals. And another point which I, I thought kind of blended really nicely into this and one that Charlie Wells highlighted was that some individuals after living their their lifelong career, then want to become an entrepreneur and delve into a side a side hustle or a side hobby that they've always been passionate about but never had the time, energy, or money to invest into. So I find this really fascinating. They, he does highlight the dangers that this endeavor could turn, turn south and you could lose your savings in your nest egg, but he also does highlight the, I guess, the intrinsically rewarding benefits of doing this.
1: Well- when I say I'm going to retire at 55, I'm actually going to retire from you know full-time corporate work into a side hustle or you know more of an entrepreneurial endeavor. I'm not, I haven't really quite defined what that is. It, you know, this podcast is kind of moving me in that direction. So I, I'm definitely not going to sit on a rocking chair on a front porch and grow old. 55 is way too young to stop contributing to society. So I, I'm going to retire from mandatory work and into something more interesting
0: definitely and I think the only precaution that this article is highlighting is not to pour your life savings into this this side project that maybe you've been wanting to do for your whole life just because it is it is maybe because you are at the end of your working career and that could really hinder your age of actual retirement so let's move on to our 60s last but not least Charlie Wells describes this as 60s and beyond not delegating. And this uh this decade kind of delves into the idea that at some point you have to pass off your financial financial de- abilities and financial reasoning and responsibilities to others and delegate that off when you are unable to make as, as sound decisions by yourself.
1: You know, I've I've experienced this firsthand with family members and it is very disturbing to watch, you know, somebody who was extremely financially savvy uh, having, you know, basically appear to not have a clue, uh, you know, in a very short period of time is very disturbing. And you go into a period of denial, you know, thinking, no, no, they they understand this, they, they just, they're having a bad day. And, you know, it evolves and may, bad financial decisions start stacking up on top of bad financial decisions. And before you know it, you're, you're, You've lost a small fortune, so it, it's a very dangerous place, and you you can't wait until you see the signs. You need to have something in place long before then.
0: Definitely, and I think it's something that maybe one would put off or avoid because I'm—I mean, passing off your something so important like financial responsibilities and delegating to someone else is is not something that you probably want to do or, or plan to do. But I, I definitely agree with that statement. Charlie Wells even talks about make, the ability to make financial responsible decisions yourself as a financial driving license and that uh, as like a driver's license when you do have to get retested um, in your older age and it, it kind of resonates with the same idea.
1: Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one because different people have different levels of financial knowledge and abilities so I, I think that would be a hard one to enforce but you know i i just want to stress that you know you need, you can't it doesn't you don't need to have a, a millions of dollars to have your financial caretaker uh be important you know it, all the money you have is all the money you have it's whether it's a lot or or a little at the end of the day it's still all the money you have so you need to take this into consideration no matter what level of wealth you have
0: I definitely agree because it, it's it is exactly what you said. It's it's all you have, and it's it's important. So, Trevor, that was a great article inspiration today from Charlie Wells, entitled "The Big Your The Biggest Money Mistakes We Make Decade by Decade," and we'll have that in the show notes for any of our listeners who want to go and read through the entire article. We just highlighted some of the great points throughout it, but we definitely encourage you to go back and read it. So, as we end this episode, I think it's encouraging to see that you might not be the only one making certain mistakes at certain ages and that everyone across that decade is probably making the same decisions, same hard decisions, and same mistakes that you're making. So just know that you're not alone and especially your parents are there too and have made those probably same mistakes too. So everywhere you look, if someone is older than you, they probably know exactly what you're going through. Um, I I use exactly really lightly, but I think the the main point is, When you're making mistakes, just don't be too hard on yourself because um, we all make them. So that is it for this episode. Make sure you tune in next week. We'll be delving into our June challenge. We're really excited about it. We, uh, We have a great challenge coming your way. So we'll be talking about that in our next episode. And if you're not following us on Instagram, check us out. We are at Simple Money Solutions. That's on Instagram. We have Facebook. We have Twitter. And so if you're not following us, go check us out. We will have all that in the show notes. And if you haven't been over to our website yet either, it's livelifesimple.ca. We'll have all those links in the show notes so you can go check them out. I I like to stay pretty active on our Instagram account and post on there when we uh, we release new episodes and our new challenges and just day-to-day stuff that are happening um, with Trevor and I. So that is it. Thanks so much for joining us. And we will see you right back here next week. Until next week, keep it simple.